0: It's the 16th of May, the Vigil of Ascension Thursday in the year of our Lord, 2007. And you're back with Father Z for another podcast. have with us as our guest today, St. Pope Leo the Great, who died in 461. He's uh, very often on these podcasts with us, but today we are going to hear one of his sermons. We're going to hear the whole thing, the Sermon on the Ascension. Also, I have some comments on what's going on transferring uh, Ascension from Thursday to Sunday, and we talk about one of the prayers for the Mass of Ascension the day itself. Let's go! Two sermons of Saint Leo the Great on the Ascension. Uh, the first, which we are going to hear today, was delivered on the first of June in 444, and this sermon deals especially with faith and with doubts, uh, focusing uh, especially on the resurrection of the flesh. Now remember that Leo is always going to emphasize the two natures of Christ and how the second person took our human nature, our body and soul, into an indestructible bond with his divinity. So strong a bond is it that not even death, not even the resurrection could break this bond. And so when Christ rose to glorious new life, we all rose in him. When he ascended, we all ascended in him. And uh, where Christ is sitting now, at the right hand of the Father, we are all sitting. Our humanity sits there at the right hand of the Father in Christ. And Leo also explains that the doubts that we see in the apostles and in the the disciples during that time after the the crucifixion. Those doubts that they had, and doubts in such mighty figures of the faith, who you know, I mean, probably shouldn't have had any doubts after all. They had walked around with the Lord all the time. Those moments of weakness in them were actually for our sake, namely that uh, if we um, are learning from their example, we can be strong in our faith because of their doubts and then their recovery of faith. And so uh, their example and the church's teaching all about our own fate after our fearful death is reinforced by the fact that uh, the apostles had their moments of trial and doubt and then they, you know, came to their senses so much that they could actually be joyful about uh, the Lord's ascension into heaven. So a key to this sermon uh, therefore is the idea of signs and examples uh, which in this case serve to strengthen us and for example the wounds in the Lord's body are even after the resurrection are signs of of deep reality not for him, not for Christ's sake, but for ours. So he retains those wounds in his body for us. The apostles' doubts are actually for our benefit. They uh, they were strengthened by signs, and then we come to be strengthened by signs. They themselves, therefore their very persons, after having recovered their faith and come back to their senses and so forth, they themselves become strengthening signs for us because they were strengthened by the signs that Christ gave them. His wounds and his breaking of the bread and so forth. These things opened their eyes to what was an invisible reality. And remember, see, that the second person Uh, Before the incarnation was the perfect, invisible image of the Father. But in the incarnation, Christ becomes the perfect, visible image of the Father. So everything really leads us back to Christ and through Christ to the Father. And the ascension of the Lord takes our humanity to the Father's throne in anticipation of our own exaltation. So let's listen to this sermon. This is sermon number 73, delivered in 444. And because it's not all that long, we're going to hear the whole thing. Amen. ex sermodibus sancti Leonis mani pape. Post beatam et gloriosam resurrectionem Domini nostri Iesu Christi, qua verum de Templum Judaica impietate resolutum divina in triduo potentia suscitavit, quadra genarius hodie, delictissimi, sanctorum dierum expletus est numerus, sacratissima ordinatione dispositus, ed ad utilitatem nostre eruditionis impensus, ut duma domino in hoc spatio mora presentie corporalis extenditur, fides resurrectionis documentis necessariis munniretur. enim Christi multum discipulorum corda turbaverat, et de suplicio crucis, de emissione spiritus, de ex animati corporis sepultura, gravatis mestitudine mentibus quidam diffidentiae torpor obrepserat. Nam cum sanctae mulieres, sicut evangelica pandit historia, after the blessed and glorious resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ, when the divine power in three days raised the true luciare, temple of God, which Jewish wickedness had destroyed, on this day, dearly beloved, mm. the number of the forty days is completed. While the Lord draws out the time of his bodily presence, our faith in his resurrection is being strengthened by the necessary signs. All this has been planned by the sacred dispensation and made useful for our instruction. The death of Christ had greatly disturbed the hearts of the disciples. A certain numbness of distrust had stolen upon their minds, weighed down with sorrow, at the suffering on the cross, at his last breath, at the burial of his lifeless body. When the holy women, as the gospel story has told us, proclaimed that the stone had been rolled away from the tomb, the sepulcher was empty of the body, and that angels were witnesses of the living Lord, their words seemed to the apostles and other disciples as pure nonsense. The Spirit of Truth would by no means have permitted this hesitation, wavering in human weakness, to enter the hearts of his preachers if their trembling anxiety and questioning delay were not to have established the foundations of our faith. Consequently, it was our doubts, our danger, that was being considered in the Apostles. We, in the guise of the Apostles, were being instructed against the slanders of the wicked and the proofs of earthly wisdom. Their seeing instructed us, their hearing informed us, their touching strengthened us. Let us give thanks for the divine plan and the necessary slowness of the Holy Fathers. They doubted so that we need not doubt. These days, dearly beloved, between the resurrection of the Lord and his ascension, did not pass by in useless flow. They provided the opportunity to confirm great mysteries, to reveal great secrets. In these days, the fear of dreaded death was removed, and the immortality not only of the soul, but also of the flesh is assured." In these days the Holy Spirit was poured into all the apostles by the breath of the Lord, and to blessed Peter above all the others, after the keys of the kingdom, the care of the Lord's sheep, is entrusted. In these days the Lord is joined to the two disciples on the road as a third companion, and to wipe out All the mist of our doubt, he rebukes the slowness of these frightened and trembling men. Their illuminated hearts received the flame of faith, and these who were lukewarm became fervent when the Lord opened the scriptures. Also, in the breaking of the bread, the eyes of those at supper are opened, The eyes of these men were opened far more happily when the glorification of their own nature was revealed to them than the eyes of those first parents of our race on whom the confusion of their own lying was inflicted. Among these other wonders, when the disciples were burning with anxious thoughts, the Lord appeared in their midst and said, Peace be with you so that what they were turning over in their hearts would not remain in their thoughts, for they thought they saw a spirit and not flesh. He proved that their sentiments were wrong. He pressed on their doubting sight the signs of the cross, still showing in his hands and feet, and asked them to touch him for proof. He had preserved the wounds of the nails and the lance as signs to heal the hearts of unbelievers, so that, with a very constant knowledge, not a hesitant faith, they would understand that this nature which had laid in the tomb was to take its place on the throne of God the Father. Through all this time, dearly beloved, which went by between the resurrection of the Lord and his ascension, the providence of God took thought for this, taught this, and penetrated their eyes and heart with this, That they should recognize the Lord Jesus Christ as truly risen, who was truly born, truly suffered, and truly died. The blessed apostles and all the disciples who had been frightened by his death on the cross and were doubtful with respect to faith in his resurrection were strengthened by the manifest truth. The result was that not only were they not afflicted with sadness, but were filled with great joy when the Lord went into the heights of heaven. Truly it was a great and indescribable source of rejoicing when, in the sight of the heavenly multitudes, the nature of our human race ascended over the dignity of all heavenly creatures, to pass the angelic orders, and to be raised beyond the heights of archangels. In its ascension it did not stop at any other height until this same nature was received at the seat of the Eternal Father to be associated on the throne of the glory of that one to whose nature it was joined in the sun since the ascension of christ is our elevation and since where the glory of the head has preceded us there hope for the body is also invited let us exalt dearly beloved with worthy joy and be glad with a holy thanksgiving Today we are established not only as possessors of paradise, but we have even penetrated the heights of the heavens in Christ, prepared more fully for it through the indescribable grace of Christ which we had lost through the ill will of the devil. Those whom the violent enemy threw down from the happiness of our first dwelling, the Son of God has placed, incorporated within himself, at the right hand of the Father, the Son of God, who lives and reigns with God the Father Almighty and the Holy Spirit forever and ever. Amen. Humani natura supragressura angelicos ordines, et ultra archangelorum altitudines elevanda, nec ulis sublimitatibus modum sue provectionis habitura, nis eterni patris recepta concessu. Ilius gloria sociaretur in trono, cuius nature coplopatur in filio. Quia, igitur, Christi ascensio, nostra provectio est, et quo precessit gloria capitis, eo spes vocature corporis, dignis delictissimi, exultemus gaudiis, et pia gratiarum actione temor. Hodie enim, non solum paradisi possessores firmatis humus, Sereziam celorum in Christo superna peretravimus, ampliore adepti per ineffabilem Christi gratiam, quam per diabodi am miseramus invidia. Nam quos virulentus inimicus primi habitacudi felicitate deiecit, eo sibi concorporatos de filius ad patris dextram conlocavit, qui vivit et regiat, Cum deo patre omnipotente, et Spiritu sancto, in secula seculor. Amen. that was Leo the Great, sermon number 73, one of two sermons that we have of his on the ascension. And I want to go back to this issue of signs. Uh, we know that a sacrament is an outward sign, which confers an invisible or insensible reality we can't feel it by our senses or see it or smell it or touch it or so forth but we know by faith that it takes place Um, i sometimes use the example of the radiator here in my room uh, here on the fifth floor many stories here above uh, rome Uh, in the winter Uh, This radiator here is like a a sacramental sign. You see, it's a sign that there really should be heat, but it's an insensible reality. I am required uh, by looking at this radiator to believe that it's warm here, but I don't really feel any warmth from it. But anyway, I digress. You get the idea. So we know that water, for example, is not itself the baptism, but it's a sign of our passing through Christ's death and into a new life. The water is a sign of cleansing. And so it is with the outward signs of all of the sacraments, except in the case of the Blessed Sacrament. After the consecration, the host and the wine that have been changed into Christ's body and blood actually are what they outwardly signify. They truly are the body and blood of the lord they are what they confer on us so how important is it that we treat the body and the blood of the lord with all of the reverence that it's due that everything that we can summon up in us that we treat it with reverence we treat it with with uh, the very best that we can give in uh, the beauty of our churches and the care of sacred, ma- uh, the Holy Mass and the, and the sacred vessels that we have and everything that we do concerning the Blessed Sacrament should be the very best that we offer. Even ourselves in the best state of soul that we can offer. We, when we go to Holy Communion, we should be bringing the best of ourselves, and that means also making a frequent confession. Uh, Leo, in his sermon, in stressing that that all about the signs and the effect that they have, and the, how the signs open eyes to deeper reality. Uh, well, then you see we can benefit from spending time with the Blessed Sacrament before our earthly eyes, so that its mysteries and its love can penetrate more deeply into our hearts. At long last, our observance of Paschal Tide has brought us to the Feast of the Ascension. And the Ascension of the Lord was always celebrated on the 40th day after Easter, at least, uh, as we know, from the end of the 4th century. In the Greek East, it is first attested to the Feast of the Ascension 40 days after Easter by St. Gregory of Nyssa in a sermon of 388. Also, St. John Chrysostom talks about it in other Greeks. St. Augustine, in the Latin West, uh, calls the Ascension Quadragesima Ascensioni, so that's the the 40th day of Ascension, meaning the 40th day after Easter. Now, uh, nowadays, in some places, the Feast of the Ascension, which always falls on a Thursday, has been transferred to Sundays, which makes it what I call Ascension Thursday Sunday. But uh, I think probably what happened is that the some bishops were interested in uh, putting emphasis greater emphasis on the Feast of the Ascension, or making it known to more people in the same way that they transfer epiphany after Christmas, which is twelfth night, it's always twelve days after Christmas uh to Sundays in order to underscore its importance at least that's what I think they might be doing, but in any event, I always call it Ascension Thursday Sunday, and I'm always very happy. Uh, on the Vatican calendar, the calendar which all the offices of the Curia have, that always lists Ascension, on Thursday and in the Vatican you celebrate it on Thursday. But in the new edition of the Roman Missal, the third edition that came out in 2002, a lot of people don't know this, uh, it reincorporated a, a Mass for the Vigil, of ascension, which, of course, gives greater importance to the ascension. And this uh, Vigil of the Ascension was not in previous editions of the Novus Ordo. However, the prayers for the new Vigil of Ascension are not the same as those that were found in the Preconciliar Missal for its Vigil of Ascension. And so now we also have proper prayers for Masses for the days after the Ascension, and sometimes having alternative collects depending on whether or not in the at that you know the area that this is being celebrated, the Ascension was transferred to the Sunday or not. I should you know Ascension Thursday Sunday as I call it. So um, people who are interested in the vigil in celebrating the vigil of Ascension now have these uh, these wonderful prayers for a mass in the third edition of the Roman Missal. Another interesting thing is that the mass during the day for the ascension uh, has two collects now, two opening prayers. You know, in the uh, in the uh, a lot of the missallets people have in church, they'll see this alternate uh, opening prayer. And you should know that that alternate opening prayer has absolutely nothing to do with the Roman missal; they're not in there. But today, today we have uh, two collects for the the Feast of the Ascension. And uh, the first is new to the Novus Ordo, but it was based on something in the very sermon that we just heard, sermon number 73 on the Ascension. And in that, we heard uh, the Pope talk about our elevation and where the glory of the head has gone ahead of us, so there we hope that the body will also be invited. And this is precisely what uh, the new collect says. Fac nos omnipotens Deus sanctis exultare gaudis, et pia gratiarum actione litari, quia Christi filii tui ascensio est nostra provectio, et quo processit gloria capitis, eo spes vocatur et corporis. Cause us, almighty God, to exalt in holy joys, and to be glad in dutiful thanksgiving, for the ascension of Christ your Son is our elevation, and the hope of the body is being called to that place from whence comes forth the glory of the head. So here is one of those cases in which Uh, The the new formula, this new collect for the Roman Missal is based directly on the words of one of the great fathers of the church from the 5th century, St. Pope Leo the Great. really say articles which appear weekly in the American English language newspaper called The Wanderer. I often will include feedback uh, from people who write in either directly to the paper by snail mail or send me email. And I thought maybe I'd give some feedback here too, at least about the podcasts. Um, Someone named A.D. I'm going to leave the names out but just give initials. A.D. wrote via email we have followed what does a prayer really say in the past and only recently began to check your blog regularly we have found the podcasts to be a delight and an inspiration to strengthen our weak and rusty latin skills we have acquired a reputation at home and abroad for being rather zealous regarding the importance of latin The first thing we look for in a dictionary definition is the word's linguistic root, which is usually either Latin and Greek. Well, that's exactly right, A.D. it's very good. I'm glad that uh, you're using this as an opportunity to improve your your Latin skills. We all need a, a knowledge of Latin. I often think about, you know, what is going to happen if the... Uh, ability to say the older form of mass is widely expanded. Just exactly how many priests out there will start, you know, trying to tackle the older form of mass without the slightest idea what they're actually saying? I think this is a this is really a big issue. We can't just go, you know, rushing into this blindly. We need a, a solid formation for our priests who are going to be saying any kind of mass, much less the older uh, form of mass. Uh, Here's someone, uh, P.N., who writes, also via email, I just wanted to drop you an email expressing my appreciation for the podcasts you make available. They've become the highlight of my commute. Uh, Yesterday's was so good that I listened to it twice, and frankly was all choked up at the end both times. I appreciate your focus on the early Fathers of the Church, as well as your ability to explain the context and relationship to us today of their writings. Very insightful and thought-provoking. Well, thanks a lot, P.N. I appreciate that. Uh, Since I know uh, something about the Fathers of the Church, I've been studying for years, and since they pop up in the Church's liturgy as part of our prayer selections from the Father's writing is part of the church's official prayer, and since I focus on what the prayer really says, I uh, bring you these uh, selections from readings and then try to dig into the background of it, the, the the social context and what the theology is behind it so that we can get more out of what the prayer really says. And then there's someone else who says that he is not Spartacus. I'm Spartacus! 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 Well, this guy named I Am Not Spartacus says, I am listening to your most recent podcast. I just had to write to tell you What a source of joy they are. The music is beautiful, the history bracing, and the content rich with material to be meditated upon. Well, great. Thank you very much, uh, you who aren't Spartacus. I appreciate uh, that you are actually taking it and maybe thinking about it a little bit, too. All of these things uh, make us more informed as Catholics, and they help us also uh, be prepared to give reasons for the faith that is in us, as the letter of Saint Peter says we should always uh, be be learning more and be ready to explain uh, what we believe uh, to others, and sometimes that involves, uh, you know, really thinking about it, not just learning formulas, you see, but really meditating upon it, remembering that always that the content of our faith is not an abstraction or a formula to be memorized, that real content of our faith is a divine person, it's Jesus Christ, and so we have to meditate on all these things and find Christ uh, through them. So God bless you. I'll bring this podcast to a conclusion. Come and visit us at the blog, wdtprs.com. That's whiskey, delta, tango, papa, romeo, sierra.com. I hope uh, you and yours will find many blessings in your lives. Bye-bye now.